All right. So we just get it rolling. I don't know the, right. what the format or the whatnot. Well, we'll probably uh, you know want to do some catchy catchy tune. Oh, theme song. Yeah, a theme song, which would go like right here. Something like that. Sure. Um, and then uh, we'll say hello. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, what a concept or that concept is bullshit, Nick. We haven't decided yet exactly what it'll be called. But uh, basically it's a podcast where we take apart and dissect great concept and uh, rock opera albums from the past uh, hundred years or so of music history. We did. We set a, a hard and fast hundred year uh, rule, though. No, uh, I think that puts it in. Well, I, you know. Okay, you you want to try? Here, now's your turn. No, that was good. No, no, no. We'll use them both. This is the intro, so we go ahead and we'll use them both. We use mine with the hundred years. I don't know what uh, nineteen sixteen rock opera we. <laughs> that's that's what I. But that's I what want I'm the saying, option. So you go ahead and do your your fast and uh, loose. Uh, Intro here. Here's Brady's attempt at an intro. Uh, welcome to the podcast show. Uh, in this podcast, we talk about uh, concept albums, what they mean, what they don't mean. Uh, the you know three-legged stool that makes any album great, the band, the album itself, and the uh, time in history when it was uh, released. Ooh, context. I like it. So uh, you were the one that decided on our very first inaugural uh concept album and you pick and i don't looking back i don't know why well why this one i i don't know I, this is an interesting one because i think it is so heavily front loaded that when you when <laughs> when you brought me the concept when you brought it up i was like oh my god it it's it the the songs that i know are so great and awesome that the rest of the album has to follow suit Aha. Wait one second. Are you still there? I don't know what that was. So that, I think, is a a, that is a technical quirk I'm going to fix right now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, Yes. I think Uh, somehow I accidentally called Terry, my my ex-boss. Not sure. Sure. Or he was calling me. Either way, I hung up on it. I was thinking my phone just went to sleep and I was going to change that. Oh, okay. Your phone. Well, that was it odd. It could be either phone. It was odd. But uh, we can certainly edit out this whole 24 sure. seconds of, of uh, discussion. Where, where the hell were we? Um, so this album. <laughs> front-loaded. It's a front-loaded front- album. <laughs> That's a, that is putting it mildly. I'm putting it mildly. Um, so it's, it's, I find it almost problematic to call it a full concept album, but it, they they bring it back around with the reprise at the end. So I think they know they knew what they were doing the whole time. <laughs> they were fighting. They I, were fighting I, as a band. I think it's a bold statement to say that they knew what they were doing the whole time. That's uh... okay. Well, 
Shall we uh, delve in uh, track by track here, or you want to? Well, so I would say I would I venture to say that really the whole track one really sums up everything. It's a perfect uh, Aristotelian three act structure. Yeah, it, it's got a delightful twist ending. Starts in Medias. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think. Well, and, okay, and kind so, of just doesn't go from there. Is the thing? It kind of just it does not. Yeah, the whole album is kind of just in media arrest beginning, and then we don't really know what happens from there. But let's let's contextualize the album a little bit. Uh, it was released. Kilroy was here by Styx was released in 1983. Um, a time of religious fervor towards rock and roll albums, uh, uh, an angry fervor, if you will. Not a happy fervor. No, not a. Uh, there was a controversy. A yeah, there was a controversy at the time called backmasking, and I think uh, probably started by the Beatles. Uh, the controversy, you know, those those heathens had some backwards music, backwards vocals recorded, and and that was of course satanic because anyone knows that if you use technology to turn words backwards. Uh, Satan is better able to understand them. Is that, did it? That, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, so this album was a response to the backmasking controversy of the eighties, and uh, and the censorship of the time. So that's a little context. Do you have any other context, Braid? Yeah, I think. W- and I don't know if this is the the time to jump into this, but contextually, it uh, I think they played the whole album live, and I believe it opens with uh, the first thing they do is this uh, they play this little short film, this little nine minute movie, and then they act out, as I understand it, a portion that comes thereafter. They act out uh, on stage in sort of a quasi theatrical way, and then they start playing songs like a rock band would. So, oh no, I I didn't realize that little tidbit. That's I, my understanding of it. They would do a little uh, a little play and performance before the musical performance. Yes, interesting. Uh, do you know whether they would wear the Roboto costume? Well, as far as I can uh, decode this. Um, there's one member of the band who is uh, Kilroy, and then yeah. there's one member of the band who's Dr. Righteous, and there's one member of the band who is uh, Chance Klingenbottom, or whoever the uh, the rebel kid that busts Kilroy out of jail right. is. The one Kilroy and, is singing to. I'm Kilroy. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yes. Um, and then I, I can't remember who the other guy it, is. And then you got to wonder if the other me- members of the bands were like, well, aren't there any other characters we need? Uh, you know, there's only three characters here, and they're kind of <laughs> just broad generalizations. So maybe, maybe we have some other characters, some villagers. I know I just play the, the, the horn on the thing, but I could, uh, I could play a villager. That, yeah, that horn section was trying to, trying to get in there, but... Uh... So I, I and this is actually my main. If you haven't seen this nine minute, uh, oh, I have. It's. I I think you're better off watching that five times in a row than listening to the uh, the forty four minute album. Now, 
Okay. My personal opinion. So we both agree it starts pretty strong. Right? Oh, it starts great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the classic rock songs of all time. But can we also maybe – there's a meta-conflict going on at the same time as the conflict within the album of – what is it? Dennis DeYoung? Uh, yeah, so Dennis DeYoung would be uh, – He's the lead singer, and he played, if I'm not correct, uh, he, he plays um, – He's Kilroy. He's Kilroy. Yeah, he's, he's the rescuer. He's the he's, – He's the one that comes in to save us from this censorous society of Dr. Righteous. But right. he's also the one in the band that wanted to write the softer love ballads of the time. And so, in, in my meta uh, generalization I'm loving where you're going. of Continue the album, this. This is, yeah. the, th- the three final songs before the reprise are all beautiful uh, love songs that I... I'm struggling to fit into the concept of the album. But maybe the hero comes through, and after the hero has rescued us, all we have are these beautiful love songs. Or You're blowing my mind right now. You are blowing my mind wide open. Or uh, uh, the, the young kid and Kilroy have a beautiful companionship of one kind or another and they're the two singing the last three songs to each other you blew the lid off it a second time or the young kid has some sort of love interest that we've haven't heard from before or since i mean that's how i took it (laughs) right that's how i that's how i initially took it but (laughs) in revisiting the album and thinking about the narrative structure it was troublesome because where was this love interest the whole time why did we suddenly switch? Well, no, three songs in, don't you get you get mention of the love interest? Like, so there's first song is Mr. Roboto. Wait, let me let me Second check the lyrics. Second song is Cold War. Yeah, Cold and War. Thir- third song. So, and this is this was my take on it because I've heard Mr. Roboto maybe ten thousand times in my life. Right. And I've often thought, I wonder where the album goes from here. Right. What could the rest of this and I this still journey be? And I still. <laughs> <laughs> and for about the first three measures of that next song, I was like, yeah, this is going places. And then it stops. There's just like a cold stop. And like the worst keyboard preset you've ever heard comes in. And it's like this weird, it's like they're, they're messing with you with just this uncool riff played on a terrible <laughs> keyboard sound. They're just purposely dashing all your hopes and dreams. And by the third song, which is that, that sort of... Uh, uh, Love breakup don't, song. Don't let it end. Don't let it end is that? I mean, that's in the running for worst song ever written. I think that's, and it could go anywhere. It could well, go on any album that's ever been released. You so you think it's the genericism? I think genericism is the term I'm coining. Do you think that was purposeful? Do you think it's it's actually a, a it motive? A motive in the song that now this. This pap, this uh, treacle, is being shoved on us by Doctor Righteous, or yeah. do you think well it done. was really well done, Nick Green? Do you think it was really Dennis DeYoung's? No, no, bravo! You've uh... no, I'm not. We might be giving no, sticks you... way too much credit here. No, you did. No, you you nailed it. I think that the world has not not properly decoded this song until this moment when you've 
you finally brought the Rosetta Stone of uh, rock and roll to us here. Okay, so so at the end of Cold War, I'm going to just read the there was extra verses sung in concert during the Kilroy tour. Yes. Um, which I think might give us insight, and then I'll I'll read the the next. Uh, Don't let it end, and so maybe that'll give us the story point here. So, I'll I'll read a little bit before before the uh, the extra verses as well. Cold War running in the streets. Everybody you meet. Knows it's going down, don't you know? Cold War is in the air. Everyone everywhere says it's time to get ready for a Cold War. Looking at me from behind every tree, there's a scared man running from a Cold War. Don't you look now, but the skinny boy's a street-fighting man. So we assume that's chance? Here's the extra verses. Try as you will, you can't escape the chill that penetrates your clothing. Demanding that you feel all the trouble that surrounds you, the bad mixed with the good, the heartless bits of data waiting to be understood, information central promptly process your requests, the task we're told honestly requires you acquiesce. Well, blind faith puts you where you are now. You're a selfish old cow getting high on society's milk. We pay your bills. Life should be so tough. You better watch your fat ass because we've had enough. And that's the end of Cold War. And I, I think he switches to talking to Doctor Righteous or you know the, uh, the society, the the censorist society. But that first part, okay, okay. Now, don't let it end. Has a reprise of the modern man line, but I am the modern man with this guitar in hand. I'll do my best and try to keep rock and roll alive. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. Don't let it end. And then some shout-outs to. Yep. Uh, to older rock and like roll, Chuck, yeah. Chuck Berry and uh... Uh, Little Richard and Chuck Berry, and it's got "I'm gonna keep on rocking all through the night." Shake it, shake it, baby, because it feels so right. Motivate your body, gonna cure your soul. Keep on. So, rock and roll is the revolutionary act in this and many other rock operas. It's a constant theme throughout many, many rock operas, but here, it's it's blatantly put on display the revolutionary act is just to be a rock and roll singer yeah i mean and and well but he also killed someone that's what i think the short film uh lets us know is that didn't he kill somebody on stage with a guitar well yes and and that's how dr righteous was able to outlaw rock music because uh kilroy killed someone uh keith richard style when the person came on the and and was trying to take over his show i'm not i'm not quite sure i think he was just saying uh screw that rock music or something he says something over and there's a wonderful scene in the movie with uh just an animatronic uh little setting that replays uh right the mannequins the mannequins yeah Yeah. (sighs) mannequin display Beautiful. beautiful yeah all right, so we go from there. We're, so th- this is probably uh, probably just a song establishing that rock and roll is the defiant 
revolutionary act that it is, right? But then to High Time. High Time might be my favorite song. On, I is mean, it? it's hard to pick a favorite song, but uh, so High Time. So this good. again is a song of revolution. It's the same basic theme. I don't... Does it does it push the theme forward in any way? No, it doesn't does really. It I mean, the, it's once again saying that rock is the revolutionary act. Um, that's all you need to do to start the revolution. Oh, except you need to no high time for us to start a revolution. High time, just like an a bomb explosion. So it's not actually an a bomb explosion. Again. It ain't the music that's in question. High Which time. Are, yeah. It's the freedom of expression. So, again, the same <laughs> theme over. And then we get into uh, the... Ooh, uh, and then we get into Heavy Metal Poisoning, which is, I think, a fantastic song and kind of reminds me of... The song Doc, uh, Dr. Octopus, Rock Me Dr. Octopus from Two Sides of the Mirror, yes, uh, Peter the, Parker and Spider-Man. Spider-Man uh, rock opera? Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, we'll not have, Turn I Off mean, the that... Dark, the Spider-Man rock opera, but before No, that... no. Two Sides of the Mirror, yeah. the, the one from the time. Yeah. The classic, jazzy, uh, 70s pop Spider-Man rock opera, and we'll have to cover that on episode 100 or whatever. But um, <laughs> The anniversary episode. It just reminds me of that because it has all the hallmarks of a great musical number for a villain you would see in an American musical. And there's um, a um, there must be like an unwritten law of of how the villain should sing in this type of uh, rock opera because they have oh absolutely similar vocal approaches. Absolutely, and it starts with the aforementioned back masking, quite purposeful on the part of Styx this time. Which and uh, I think is that the one that's have, the Latin? Uh... Yeah. So it's Anuit coepsis novos odro seclorum, and uh, so backwards that would be morosis odro suvon sit piwek tiuna. Um, and what was the translation of that? I, I think it was. Uh, I don't have that. It's like an e pluribus unum type thing, though, right? Isn't it a... I'm going to try and Google that right now. <laughs> yes. Googling. <laughs> That's going to be a, a side podcast we do where we just Google Google things in real time for you. Um, it's like the inscription on the seal of the United States of America type thing. Not exactly that, but it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those. I thought I had it right here, like all set to like read it off. But uh, Judas Priest also used back masking. Well, that's the better by you, better than me. Uh, Controversy. Um, yeah, this isn't helping. 
Fuck you, internet. Fuck you. Anyway, it's something. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a backwards phrase. Means something. It's a backwards. There it is. There it is. Anuit corpses coeptus novos. New order of the ages. Oh. Uh-oh. It is. It's very much... It's one of two mottos on the reverse side of the Great Seal of the United States. So it actually is a motto. Yeah. Yeah, it's the opposite of... On the opposite side of E Pluribus Unum. You, you mean, like, philo- uh, philosophically? Or do you mean it's, like... It's no, located. I mean, like, literally, it's... a. Literally on the other side of the seal. Okay, like, if it. the seal were a coin, it would, yeah. So it's literally the other side of the coin. Yes. Okay. Okay. New order of the ages is Novus Ordus Seclorum. And Anuit Ocopa. Uh, I might, I'm not. <laughs> I don't have any Latin training, so <laughs> way this out is of just depth, me. Right? Mu- yeah, way out of my depth. And you fucking internet. Anyway, so that's what it starts with. And then, uh, and then he preaches. He does. He sermonizes. And, yeah. He sermonizes, and he lets us know that he's Dr. Righteous, he's here to sing, and that heavy metal, heavy metal, is poisoning. It's a musical wasteland that destroys the young. Yeah, they're overloaded, overloaded on sex and drugs, sex and drugs, sex and drugs, and rock and roll. And then there's another instance of backmasking that isn't Latin. It's a backmasked English that is backwards, Sterces et stla natas, or forwards, Satan holds the secrets. Well, that's pretty suggestive. I feel like that's... So up until this point, I think we have a brilliant dramatic setup. We have a protagonist, uh, uh, a... Uh, old man character, if you will, the the leader, the Kilroy, that's giving the protagonist chance, his knowledge and power of rock and roll. Right, right. And then we, then we have Dr. Righteous. And then right here is where we start getting a little foggy. <laughs> <laughs> With Just Get Through This Night, which is a beautiful, beautiful song, I think. But... Uh- well, and this starts to open up your your earlier theory that maybe yes. this whole thing is a sort of a, a romantic uh, uh, interplay between Chance and Kilroy. Perhaps this this song would would have us maybe lean towards that. I'd say, and even even if it's not romantic, it is some sort of compatriot relationship. And that's that they're singing to each other. It's a dark, scary night in this dystopian theolo- theological wasteland, and they need each other to just get through the night. Yeah, yeah, that's 
That's intense. I did not take it that way. How did you take it? Uh, well, and there's no evidence to support this, but I assume like we're rallying together uh, the underground resistance and we're going to go. Oh, no, that's great. I hadn't thought of that. So this is a song. I like yours the, better, though. I like your your theory. No, this is a so, uh, so. Okay, mine is that they're singing to each other in this uh, stage full of mannequins, <laughs> 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 which is I only get that because you know that's how it looks in the movie, right? Um, but you're saying now they're going through and rallying all of the resistance with this. Just get through. Yeah, the night. That's, Ooh, what, that's beautiful. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I don't think it's borne out in the lyrics at <laughs> no, all, but in no sentiment. That's pure imagination, you know. So yeah, longest night in recorded history. History, and as for sleep, you might as well just cross it off the list of possibilities. So it's going to be a long, sleepless night. What else was on the list of possibilities? That's really the question. <laughs> well, being a novelist yeah. is one. Astronaut. <laughs> Well, the, he could be a movie star or a novelist. Yeah. Those are his two other possibilities. But what do, what the hell does any of this have to do with the story we've set up? That's a that's good question. That's really my question. That's a wonderful and question. And that's, that's what, I guess, um, what is, is this great mystery about the album. So we've set up this, this wonderful, dramatic triad of characters – and then we don't know what the hell happens to them. No, so they never really appear again. Actually, uh, I don't think. You'd... Or they sort they sort of meld into one uber voice that's now just singing beautiful songs. I mean, and and the high harmonies the two guys have in this oh, they're dynamite. It, it, it is gorgeous and. I think it would be effective as either these two heroes now rallying the troops. Or these two, I think it's better as vulnerable souls rallying each other. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, not necessarily a love story, but a story of two vulnerable souls who have found each other and are helping each other get through the night. Yeah. But I think it's, I, I'm I'm actually getting more respect for the song it, it, with your idea that they're rallying. Uh, may, maybe it's both. Maybe they're rallying each other. I mean, that, and that's a possibility. They're, you know, rousing speeches to each other. And in the, same, in the same time, they're using that rallying of each other to rally the whole, the whole resistance movement. Yeah. Which is, okay. And then is the next song that last song? I think there's two there's more two songs. There's two more, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, Double Life, Haven't We Been Here uh, For, and then the Don't Let It End reprise. Life. And so that could play back into, okay, they've rallied the uh, the troops, as you were, and now they're all underground. So they have to hide that they're all... Oh, hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, again, we're reading really far into the the song to give it some narrative structure, but the lyrics don't really bear any of this out. No, they. Do you think the songs well, just pre-existed okay. before the rock opera and they just threw them together? I'm not really sure. Uh, strange. 
So in the dark, so alone, so all alone, slowly reach for the telephone. A message waits just for you, a secret place, another rendezvous. That works, right? You could yeah. picture a resistance fighter waiting by the phone. Okay. It's not always honesty that is the best policy, but little lies can give you away, though you'll deny it if they say maybe you're just leading a double life. A Friends double in the die ti- daytime, strangers at night, leading a double life. Oh, then they bring in the Berlin Wall. Ooh. Yeah, well, I, I mean, so, like, this. if, if, what, what decade does this take place in? This is the, what decade did Styx set it in, or what yeah, decade what is did it, Styx the, write it in? What is it, it set in? in, I guess? I'm, I'm guessing it's set in dystopian 1984 or 5. Oh, it's the next year. year. Oh, I'm, I, I don't know. They said it one it year. It has to be contemporary. Future. Or are you saying that? Uh, well, that would make sense. My my question was going to be: Why are there so many like Cold War Cold references? War. And well, and Kilroy was here is actually the original meme. Uh, I think. Well, that was uh, that was a World War Two. Oh, uh, you're right. That's a World War Two uh, meme. Uh, yeah. And the, yeah, there's. Well, and then the at the end, all the shout outs are to like 1950s rock and roll. Stars. Yeah. So if this was taking place in like 2027, uh, it would seem weird. But, but 2027 as seen from 1983. So this is sure, 1983's. I mean, not that far away. You're right. You're right. Well said. 1983's projection of okay, if we keep having these religious guys accusing us of back masking, plus we're in a cold war and there's a Berlin Wall. What is our dystopian projection of, say, 2023 or 1987? Because this is 1983. They, who knows? It's, it's a foggy future, but it's the future as projected from 1983. Okay. But, and we don't know how far in the future. For whatever that means. <laughs> I got you. I feel you. But, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so... To, to finally pull apart, uh, haven't we been here before? You might think that it's hopeless beyond our control. So once again, control is a very strong thematic word that pops up in different songs and throughout. Beyond our control. Beyond your control. Beyond anyway. my control. We all need control. Yeah, but that's not necessarily so. Can't you see? There's a chance. Ooh, I I didn't oh, pick up on pun? that. Is that a little a pun? A pun on the character. Can't you see? There's a chance for the daring young soul. Mmm, spicy. Who's finally learned to say no? Whoa. No. No, I won't be misused, ignored, or refused. So it's a, a final reiteration. Of the same thing theme they've been running into the ground here in beautiful, beautiful rock song. And I believe if we learn from the past, we'd find keys to unlock every door. Dark would turn into light. We'd be strong. We'd be right. So there I think he's saying, I better play some Chuck Berry and that will save the world from dystopia. Well, Chuck Berry or any of these 50 rock artists... 50s rock artists, not just 50. No, not just well, 50 he, he lists, artists. yeah, he lists 50 of them. 
So tonight, hold me close to you. That's the question. Who's holding who close? That is. Tonight, hold me close to you, and don't give up what's important to you. And as time rolls on, nothing will stand in our way. And I believe if we learn from the past, we'd say, haven't we been here before? And oh, and I believe if we open our hearts, we'd find keys to unlock every door. Hearts could change overnight. We'd be strong. We'd be right. Stay with me now, whoever the character that's singing is and whoever <laughs> they're singing well, to. Well, since we've only the been future... introduced to three characters, we have to assume <laughs> that it's Chance and and uh, Kilroy. Right? Absolutely. We, we have to assume. We, we can only assume. The future is ours and we'll be the ones who go on. And then it's a reprise of Don't Let It, in, uh, Don't Let it End. Keep it alive. And which yeah so so is is there a narrative arc to this? I think I might have con- convinced myself now that there is uh, go uh, ahead I, if you can find at, it at the beginning of this discussion, I was coming in with the thought that this rock opera um it was heavily front loaded, and the last three songs don't have anything to do with the storyline and th- and that was sort of borne out in their uh, theatrical presentation. They did the first four songs, uh, five songs maybe, and then we're done. But I think these last three songs, if we assume that they're between two characters, the only two characters we can think of them uh, being Chance and Kilroy, unless maybe their love is also influencing Dr. Righteous, it's about let's play our rock and roll and let's hold each other through the night and sing beautiful, beautiful high harmonies together. <laughs> and that's, yeah, what a great message. And then, and then we don't let it end. We don't let freedom of expression in the United States end in a dystopian future projected from 1983 that could be any kind of time in the future, but it's a 1983's vision of of a dystopian, censorous, theocratic future. I think you really nailed this but, one down. Yeah, that's. Did I or no, I, are I, we I, just? Yeah, I am fully. Uh... Are we put? Are we putting more into it than there actually is? Well, I don't think you know. I think you you can only consider the ethereal intent. Uh, you know, for one hot second, and then you got to kind of. Uh, you got to kind of dig deeper than what they may have intended because it takes on, you know, takes on a life so, of its own. Po- possibly this is also a case where the the actual strain between the artists of the time, this was a, a, a very divisive album in the band, maybe that led to more depth in the music than would have if they were all firing on in the same on the same cylinders if that's even a phrase which i don't think it is but i just made it up no well i think if this had been like a, a prima facie great album that you just listen to and immediately love you, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now you know yeah the fact that I mean, it you does do. you... suck a little bit makes it far more uh, intriguing absolutely and, and that it's so front-loaded with the greatness is all at the beginning yeah and then the hidden greatness, I think, is at the end because I really do think those songs are are beautiful, great sort of soft rock ballads, but but they're not they're not Mr. Romato. No, they're really not. You know, 
but very few songs in rock history are. So, and I, I do want to want to just take it in this direction for one quick second because I think it's important. Um, that little nine-minute movie, Caught in the Act. Yeah. Uh, which gives, you know, having heard the song millions of times before I even knew this little movie existed, and then watching this movie, and then I guess realizing that the album cover also shows the Roboto characters, right? The Right. Uh, yeah, this kind of the vaguely, square-headed. vaguely racist. Am I wrong about that? Am I reading too much into that? <laughs> I don't know if I had picked up the the racism. I think there's um, some vague racism there. How? Uh, what, which is what the same thing see? I said about songs like Mas Tequila and uh, Voulez-vous Coucher uh, avec moi. I mean, there's there's a vague undercurrent of racism, but I think... Oh, in Mr. Roboto and Domo Arigato and just using the, the Japanese... And the character and, design. I think the character design is a little uh, bit racist. I could be wrong. Oh, I hadn't even noticed that. You think the robot eyes are yes. drawn? Yes, yes, I do. I do think that, uh, but I I could totally be wrong. I do think it. Um, you know, it's like if you found out uh, Santa Claus was an alcoholic. You know, it just puts a weird kind of vibe <laughs> on on everything. Well, that would explain the ready the ready nose, uh, doesn't it? Though jolliness, yeah, exactly. Huh. I don't know. No, I, I, I hadn't seen that, but now that you mention it, it's, it is kind of there. And it, it also does involve a lot. The, the first song, Dr. Roboto, I mean Mr. Mr. Roboto. Roboto. Let's please, he didn't go to <laughs> medical school. <laughs> it does involve some uh, white people making Asian language. And I th- uh, think that that is a... or popular uh, theory is that that's like a reaction to the fact that all of the sort of synthesizers and musical technology elements are made in Japan. A Japanese origin. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Which, again, that's a weird, ironic thing if you're saying that 50s rock and roll is is the... uh, Penultimate revolutionary tool. Right. Right. But then Styx is also... A very synthesizery band in a lot of ways. Very synthesizery, and and this album also marks demarcation where they they would become now more right. synthesizery after this. <sighs> so, huh? Could it also be sort of an economic fear thing? I mean, sure. Oh wait, wait. Was were they? Uh, was it Sony that, that had their contract at this time? Was this a Sony album? That is worth checking into. I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what record label they were on or which conglomerate owned that record label. Yeah. Maybe there's a whole deeper... Oh. Uh, maybe it's the Illuminati. Probably. But isn't everything. Yeah. Well, pretty much. Well, um, cool, man. How's your how's your life going otherwise? Have you experienced any cool media or uh, movies or music lately? No, I, I don't have any. Uh, you don't have any recommendations. Don't have anything to recommend. You, you got any projects you're working on? You want to plug? Uh... No, not really. Uh, I did have a, a cool thing happen to me. Uh, we went to went, went to my grandfather's uh, memorial service last week, but you know we had like. F- 400 cousins and not really 400 that's hyperbole a lot of cousins um and i was hearing a couple of my adult cousins talk about 
my 15-year-old uh, cousin from Alaska and her musical tastes. And they were like, oh, she's into a lot of weird uh, heavy metal music, like something, something, and a band called the Toy Dolls. I don't know. They probably <laughs> knew. And I was just, wait a second. And so I had to ask her, wait, so you're into the Toy Dolls, the, <laughs> the British punk band that kind of sounds like weird dwarfs on acid? Yeah, yeah, I love them. And, she, and it was pretty great because, you know, Timeless. You're finding another, another Toy Dolls fan in the family is always uh, exciting. Yeah, it's kind of like when, when Chance breaks Kilroy out of uh... <laughs> that same camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, and the toy dolls just help you get through the night. It's true, they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we have some sort of podcast episode here. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. I mean, I there's, there's going to be... I think it... <laughs> Go on. There's going to be just some technical... Uh, Stuff to to whittle down a little bit. I probably oh, yeah. shouldn't be in a giant echoey room, like, shouting into an empty closet. Well, you know, I've heard some pretty shitty sound quality on a lot of podcasts, so... Not this one, though. This we'll one's going to be solid gold. Yeah, and I think this, uh, our podcast might mirror the structure of Styx's album, in that it probably starts strong and then fades away a little bit. It's meta. <laughs> and, then, and then maybe maybe comes back, hopefully, sure. at the end. <laughs> hopefully. Oh, and why not? 